It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Cleanup efforts concluded on Wednesday for a fuel spill in Sitka Sound. Hanson Maritime removed around 1,500 gallons of diesel and oily water from the Haida Ladies fuel tanks and another nearly 300 gallons of oil from the water nearby. The Coast Guard contracted with a Sitka-based company to conduct the cleanup efforts after noticing a sheen around the sunken fishing vessel on Friday. The company also used lift bags and dewatering pumps to bring the submerged vessel to the surface and then tied it off to shore. According to a Coast Guard press release, the Sitka Maritime Safety Detachment will continue to monitor the vessel's condition. Impacts to the environment are unknown at this time. According to the Coast Guard, no wildlife was observed within the work site. The Sitka School District has locked its new superintendent into a three-year contract. Last week, the Sitka School Board met with Frank Hauser to negotiate behind closed doors. According to a district press release, they finalized the contract with a $140,000 starting salary. Hauser is the principal of Service High School in Anchorage, and he brings 23 years of education experience to the job. In February, he was chosen from three finalists to lead Sitka schools, replacing interim superintendent John Holst. When the Sitka School Board met on Wednesday, Hauser joined via Zoom to discuss his background and educational philosophy. Throughout my career as an educator, I've had one very simple principle that guides all of my decisions. What's best for kids? That will continue to be the principle that guides my decisions as superintendent of Sitka. From everyone I've spoken with here, I know that principle guides this community, too. Hauser said he was encouraged by comments at last week's Sitka Assembly meeting when the group voted to fund Sitka's schools to the cap. He said his leadership style is collaborative and doesn't adhere to the traditional top-down approach. One thing I do not believe in is a top-down approach. It is a well-researched reality that top-down approaches in leadership are not successful, especially in education. I want you to know that I'm committed to listening, learning, and doing everything I can to support the students, staff, and families of the Sitka School District and the community of Sitka. Hauser will begin working as superintendent on July 1st, but he will participate in strategic planning with the Sitka School District this spring. Petersburg is among the top hotspots for COVID-19 cases in the country, according to the New York Times. An online interactive map published by the newspaper shows the Petersburg borough with the fourth highest daily average of new COVID cases per capita for counties in the nation the past week. In that time, Petersburg trails only three counties in Colorado, Kentucky and Oklahoma for average daily COVID cases per 100,000 people. The Southeast Island community of around 3,200 people hit its highest active COVID-19 case count since the start of the pandemic on both Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Petersburg's Emergency Operations Center reported active cases at 67 on Wednesday. That number reflects two new cases reported that day. In addition, there were two more cases reported the day before, driving the active case count for both days to 67. Two more people were listed as recovered Wednesday as well. 
Since February 18th, local health officials have reported 85 in-town cases. Another four cases are local residents who have been outside of Petersburg. And 22 people are considered recovered since the start of the outbreak. Schools have been on remote learning mode and kids' activities shut down during the outbreak. Plant managers at OBI Seafoods wrote a commentary in the local newspaper this week calling on the community to follow health precautions so the local workforce can continue to process seafood. Case numbers have been relatively low for most of the pandemic until last month. All but five of the cases have been reported in people who have not yet received either first or second dose of vaccine. Petersburg Medical Center reports positive test results for two people who are fully vaccinated two weeks past their second dose and three who were two weeks past their first dose. The community, like others in Alaska, is also well above many other parts of the country in vaccination rates. Well over a third of the population has received one dose and around one-fifth of the total population is fully vaccinated. Those numbers are going to climb this month. Petersburg Medical Center is holding more vaccine clinics March 5th and 12th. Alaska is preparing for its first elections under a new system greenlit by voters last year. As Eric Stone reports from Alaska's Energy Desk, experts who have experience with the system Alaska is implementing have some advice for election administrators. Educate and test. The passage of Ballot Measure 2 made two big changes to the way Alaskans cast ballots in state and federal elections. First, it did away with party primary elections and replaced them with a single multi-party primary. The top four vote-getters in what some are calling the Tundra primary will advance to the general election in November. That's where the other big change comes in, ranked choice voting. One of the big things for me is that this new system of voting eliminates this common problem we've had with spoilers. That's Pat Race. He's an illustrator and filmmaker in Juneau, and he supported last year's ballot measure. He points to a few scenarios where ranked choice might have been helpful, like the 2018 governor's race between independent Governor Bill Walker, Democrat Mark Begich, and the eventual winner, Governor Mike Dunleavy. Walker eventually dropped out and threw his support behind Begich. You've got three candidates, and two candidates are really spending a lot of time just trying to talk each other into dropping out, which isn't a productive uh, policy debate. Race says ranked choice voting would fix that problem, but in practice, does it? Well, voters in the state of Maine started using the system for federal elections back in 2018, and Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows says the answer is yes. One of the things that we observed is that candidates in three-way races were working hard not only to win voters, but to win second-place voters. But she says education is critical. She recalls doing some pretty creative outreach to teach folks how the system worked. I remember house parties that spring where we would bring different ice cream flavors and bring sample ballots for people to choose. Do they like the chocolate best, vanilla second best, strawberry third best, and then uh, go forth and demonstrate how that tabulation works. They'd count up everybody's first choice votes, and if more than half the voters listed chocolate as their first choice, that's it. That's the winner. End of election. But if no flavor got more than half of the first place votes, let's say chocolate and vanilla each got 40% and strawberry got 20%, they would go to a second round. Strawberry is in last place, so it's eliminated. And then it's a race between chocolate and vanilla. That means it's time to look at all the strawberry fans' second choices. So if people who voted for strawberry had to choose between chocolate and vanilla, which one would they prefer? 
To keep things simple, let's imagine that everyone who voted for strawberry listed chocolate as their second choice. All the votes for strawberry would move to chocolate in the second round, and chocolate would win that election with 60% of the vote. Bellows says outreach and education are important, but so is figuring out the best way to translate voters' preferences into votes. Ballot design is very important. It's important that voters be able to understand what their choices are and how to mark their ballot. Christopher Patton studies exactly that. He's a researcher with the Maryland-based nonprofit Center for Civic Design. I asked him what he thought of Alaska's first prototype ranked choice ballot. It lists candidates for each race with a grid next to it labeled first choice, second choice, and so on. There's also a space for write-in candidates. Overall, this is a pretty good start on the ballot. I am really excited to see it. He's a fan of the grid layout. Maine uses that same system. And we've tested this with quite a few voters, and that this grid system, uh, which you can see on our website, does seem to work the best, and so that is what we recommend. He says he's glad to see clear instructions up at the top of the ballot, but he suggests a few minor wording changes to reduce how much voters have to read. Patton says it's great that there's also an illustration at the top of the ballot, but he suggests some changes there, too. What I would suggest is that the illustration shows the hand actually marking on that grid that appears below, and that you show the correct way to do it, and you also show a couple incorrect ways to do it. While there are some best practices his group recommends, he says there's no substitute for actually testing the ballot on everyday Alaskans in, say, a focus group. Alaska election officials declined interview requests for this story and did not respond to questions about how the state plans to test its ballots. The switch to rank choice will likely have another effect, a longer wait for results in close races, possibly even longer than last year when Alaska was one of the last states to announce results. State officials warn that when one candidate receives less than 50% of the first choice vote, they won't run the second round of tabulation until 15 days after the election. They say that's to allow time to receive and verify absentee ballots. Patton and Maine Secretary of State Bellows say they both stand ready to answer any questions Alaska election officials have as they gear up for the state's first ranked choice election in November 2022. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Eric Stone in Ketchikan. Taking a look at the community calendar. Deadline for children age 8 to 10 to join the Pick Your Own Quest online book club program is Sunday, March 7th. The program is 10 a.m. Saturday, March 13th. The book featured is Trapped in a Fairy Tale. Registrants need an email address and will receive a kit with directions and activities for the event. Those interested should call 747-4020 or email maite.lorente at cityofsitka.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.